Good morning. It is indeed a blessing to, to be here. Um, it's hard to know what to say uh, in my last sermon here at Eastside, but let me start by saying I hope it's not my last sermon here at Eastside. Uh, Twelve hours is a long drive, um, but, but we certainly hope uh, that our travels will bring us back here from time to time. Um, we love you. Uh, you all have made a significant imprint on our hearts and our lives that we will carry with us wherever we go. Um, and we appreciate you. Uh, you will be in our prayers. But, but if this was the last time that I would ever stand before you and share God's word, what, what kind of message should I bring? <laughs> what, what, what kind of things should, should I say to encourage you if, if I thought that I may never see you again? Um, as I was thinking about that uh, the, this past few weeks, uh, my mind kept coming back to this passage in Acts 20, where we see Paul uh, believes he, he's never going to see these Ephesian elders again, and so he has this opportunity to talk with them, and we see his exhortation to them. And I started looking at that, and I started comparing it with some of Jesus's statements to his own disciples, especially in the, the Gospel of John before his departure. And, and there were a few exhortations that stood out to me and that, that, that I think might be um, some of the most helpful things to, to remember, um, even if I, I'm not going to be here to remind you in the future. Um, and so I, I'm going to look at three primary farewell exhortations uh, for us to think about today. First of all, brethren, care for the flock. Sincerely, Passionately, diligently care for the flock. You know, much of Paul's message here in Acts 20, uh, he reminds them of his example, the things that he had done among them. But the primary exhortation of this passage is what we read here in verse 28 through 31. It says in verse 28, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, or ESV says, to care for for the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. He tells them, be on guard, be alert. Uh, watch over and, and tend to the needs of the souls that God has placed around you. Um, and not simply out of a sense of, of obligation, but out of a deep and abiding care, uh, a sincere love for these sheep. You notice at the end there, he says, I did not cease to admonish each one of you with tears. His, his care, his, his passion for the well-being of these souls was evident to them. In fact, he says earlier, back up in verse 18 uh, through 20, uh, I think in verse 19, he says, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears. He talked about teaching publicly and from house to house. And so Paul's passion, his emotion was clear for all to see. His concern for these souls and their well-being was, was sincere. He deeply cared for their, their spiritual well-being. And because of this genuine care, he, he didn't just interact with them, you know, every once in a while in, in public when they came together. He was from house to house, personally, intimately, showing his care for the spiritual well-being and the growth of, of each individual soul. 
so brethren, care for the flock. Uh, you, you might say, well, you know, Paul's talking to the elders here. I'm not an elder. I, I'm, I'm not uh, an apostle. I'm not an evangelist. But, but this is not about what your role is. This is not about what your responsibility is, because this isn't just motivated by responsibility. This is uh, motivated by the kind of heart that God wants you to have, no matter what your role is. God wants you to care for these brethren, care for the souls of those around you, to love the souls around you the way that God loves them. And, and we see this in Jesus's exhortations in the Gospel of John. You look back to his final night with his disciples in John 13. What's one of the primary exhortations that he gives them? One of the primary examples that he leaves them is washing the disciples' feet, showing this humble service and care for the disciples. And then in John 13, verse 33, it says, Little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will seek me in, as I said to the Jews, now I also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. Verse 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Jesus says, I'm not going to be here much longer, but I tell you what I want you to remember. Love each other. Love one another the way that I love you. That's how people are going to know that you're my disciples. And so, brethren, love these people sitting around you. Love them the way that Jesus loves them. Uh, we see this again in Jesus' prayer in John 17. As he finishes out his time here before his betrayal with his disciples, he, he ends with a prayer, much like Paul ends with a prayer in Acts 20. But, but notice the content of his prayer here. As we look in John 17, verse 20 and 21, he says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but of those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they all may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. What's Jesus' uh, deep passion and care for these brethren? That they might be united that they might be one. You know, I, I don't know, like Paul in Acts 20, what dangers uh, lie ahead, what challenges uh, lie ahead for, for this flock, but we need to be committed to keeping the flock together, to, uh, to pursuing unity, to being peacemakers, to seeking the lost and bringing them back, to lift up the fallen, to tend to the sick and weary, uh, to keep these sheep together, united, taken care of. And, and we need, to, in order to do that, to stay close to the good shepherd, right? Um, this unity is in Jesus and in the Father. And so as we seek to show Jesus' love towards one another, we need to draw one another closer, uh, knit, being knit together in our common relationship with the Lord. And not only do we see it in John 17, look in John 21. John 21, some of Jesus' final words to the Apostle Peter in verse 15, says, So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Shepherd my sheep. 
And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Do you love Jesus? Are you genuinely a disciple of his? Well, then the exhortation to us is the same. Take care of the souls purchased by his blood. Love his sheep. Love this flock. Serve these people. Take care of one another. And brethren, each of us needs to take this exhortation personally and make it our own. I I want you to imagine for a moment that Jesus is standing here and saying, Jim, love these brethren. Joe, love these brethren. Angela, love these brethren. Carl, love these brethren. David, love these brethren. Take care of these sheep. I love them. I sacrifice my own life for them. You take care of them. You love them. You serve them. You know, the same apostle that received this exhortation from Jesus here at the end of John writes these words in 1 Peter 4. It says, Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint, as each one has received a special gift. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Above all, there's an exhortation that Jesus wants to leave with his disciples, that Peter wants to leave with us, that Paul wants to leave with us, that I want to leave with you today. Love your brethren. And let it show in the way you serve one another, in the way that you care for one another, in the way that you be hospitable to one another. Let that show that all might know that you are disciples of Jesus. But how can we effectively care for one another? How is that service going to be uh, equipped? Well, if we go back to Acts 20, we see that what's going to equip us to minister to the spiritual needs and protect the spiritual well-being of the souls around us is God's strength and God's word. Look in Acts 20. After Paul urges them to watch over the flock, to be on guard, to be on the alert, to care for these souls, it says in verse 32, And now I commend you to God, and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Well, saying, you don't need me. You need God. And you need his word. Brethren, what's going to determine the future well-being and growth of this congregation is not, you know, the charismatic personalities that come through here. It's not financial shrewdness or business models or marketing strategies. It's not, you know, who walks in the door or how attractive uh, our public image is to the community around us. What's going to determine the success of this church is how closely we cling to the Lord and how firmly you remain planted on the word of his grace. That's what's able to build us up. That's what's able to keep us secure. The well-being of the sheep is all dependent on how fully we hear the shepherd's voice and how faithfully we respond to it. And so this is one of the things that Paul emphasizes multiple times in his example 
and talking about the work that he had done among them. In Acts 20 and verse 20, he says, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly from house to house. Again, in verse 27, he says, For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Where Paul's focus was during his time where was making sure that they had the word of God. That's what they needed. That's what was going to help them grow, what was going to help them be secure in their relationship with the Lord. And so, brethren, if, if there is anything of true value that you've learned from, from me being here for the last six years, it didn't come from here. I can assure you it didn't come from here. It came from here. And what you need to continue to grow, to continue to prosper, to continue to take new steps in your service to the Lord and shining his light and reaching the community around you is this right here. It's the seed, it's the water, it's the milk, it's the meat, it's the light, it's the life, the sword of the spirit, it's the the belt of truth. It's the words of almighty God. And it is what is able to help you develop a genuine relationship with the God who is speaking to you, with the voice of the good shepherd. Jesus gave a similar exhortation to his apostles and assurance before his departure. Of course, when Jesus is saying these things, not any of the New Testament has been penned yet. But notice what he says as he's departing from his disciples. He says in John 14, 25 and 26, These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Again, later in John 16, verse 12 and 13. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. As Jesus is departing his uh, disciples here, he says, you, you have a lot more learning and growing to do. The, the work is just starting, is just beginning, but I'm not abandoning you to do it all on your own. The Spirit will teach you. He'll remind you of my teaching. He will guide you into all truth. And brethren, the, the Bible that we hold in our hands today is the fulfillment of that prophecy, prophecy of that promise These are the spirit-breathed words of God, the all-truth that God promised to lead us into. And so what we need today is the same thing that they needed then. God and the word of his grace. Uh, And Paul anticipated the fulfillment of that promise in 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3, as Paul reminds Timothy of the scriptures that he had learned from childhood, the sacred writings of the Old Testament in verse 14 and 15. He says that uh, in verse 15, those are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Then verse 16, he combines those ideas together. He says, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped, for every good work. The all truth that Jesus foretold is ultimately fulfilled in the all scripture that Paul is looking forward to here. The sacred writings of old and those revealed through Jesus Christ uh, bring us everything that we need. Do you want good teaching? Focus on the scripture. 
You want re reproof and correction to expose the areas in your life that you need to grow and improve? Look to God's word. Do you want a, a good tra training regimen to help you exercise under righteousness and godliness? Look to God's word. You want to be equipped to effectively show your love and serve these brethren around you? Look to God's word. And so as Paul further exhorts Timothy in chapter 4 and verse 2, he tells him, preach the word. What we need most is not, you know, effective speakers uh, with inspirational stories and memorable catchphrases or humorous anecdotes or fascinating academic connections. What, what we need is the shepherd's voice. We need God's word the living and powerful word of God. What we need most is not the product of human minds and human effort. It's the product of God's grace, of his revelation within the scriptures. And so while there may be something to be said for communicating God's word in a way that is engaging, uh, is passionate, is easy to follow, or not lacking in practical application, uh, the highest goal of preaching is to get out of the way of the word. Um, and I'm, I'm about to get out of the way of the word here for good <laughs> and, and leaving. But the word's going to remain, right? That's the goal, is that the power of God's word will not be distracted from or, or hindered in any way. And so there, if there's anything that you've gained from my preaching and teaching in the last six and a half years... Um, that you can't trace back to God and to his word, then please get rid of it. Because that's not what you need. What you need is God and his word. And if you want to continue to grow in the years to come, the most valuable counsel, counsel I can give you is to listen more to God and less to men. Only value the teaching men to the extent that it points you back to God's word and helps you hear his voice more clearly. Listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd. That's what we need most. That is what is going to help this flock be healthy and strong and grow and thrive to the glory of God. But there's another exhortation uh, that Paul gives at the very end of Acts 20. If you turn with me to Acts 20, look at the last three verses here, um, verses 33 through 35. It says in verse 33, I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who were with me. And everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And that's where Paul ends his exhortation. Why is that? Why, why does he end there? Uh, he, he reminds them in, in his case, you know, that he, uh, you know, was not, certainly was not laboring for the, what he was getting out of it. Um, and he tells them there in verse 35, he has shown them that they must help the weak. They must help the weak and remember the words of Jesus that it is more blessed to give than to receive. 
He's encouraged them about the focus of their work, care for the flock. He's encouraged them about the foundation of their work. You need God, you need his word. But now he focuses on the heart that is going to fuel that work. This isn't about what you receive. It's about what you give. Be a giver. As we leave the congregation here, I want to leave you with these words ringing in your ears. It is more blessed to give than to receive. You know, th- this is an unnatural and countercultural way to think. You know, we, we often think that, that blessings come by what we receive and what we store up. But, but I, think, uh, I, I think about uh, Jeremiah, where he talks about uh, you have uh, given up the, the fountain of living waters and hewn for yourself cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. When, when we take that approach that our blessings are what it is we receive and what it is we keep, we're, it's like a cistern and a broken cistern. We're trying to store up all the water and it, it's just going to sit there and drain out. Uh, and yet what God is offering us is a, pa- a picture of a fountain of living waters. True blessings doesn't come from what it is you receive and what it is you keep. True blessing comes from God being a fountain that is ever flowing blessings through you to other people. That's living water. That's refreshing water. Don't focus on what it is that you get out of it. What it is that you get to keep. That's just going to leave the the, the water stale. (laughs) That's not how God intended for it to work. Be a giver. Because being a giver is at the very heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Matthew 20. Jesus says, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It's not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Brethren, if if Jesus, the creator of the whole universe, the King of kings, the one who has all authority in heaven and earth, didn't come to be served, then who am I to think that I'm here to be served? No, the example that Jesus left us is that it's more blessed to give than to receive. I'm not here because of what I get out of it. I'm not here because of what you give to me. The heart of Jesus is that we are here to serve. So I want to ask you, why are you here? Why are you part of this church? Is it simply because of what this church has to offer you? Praise God there are great blessings of being part of this family. Um, And and I do praise God for you and what you have given to me. But is that what it's about? Is that why you're here? If so, then what about when things get difficult? When someone says something unkind or inconsiderate? When you aren't getting all that you want out of these relationships. When decisions are made that don't line up with your personal preferences. When, when you feel disconnected or discouraged about something. What then? If your relationship 
with these brethren is based on what you receive from them, then it's not going to last. A time is going to come where you're not getting what it is you feel you need. Because these brethren, because all Christians are imperfect, right? And these brethren can never fully give you, uh, cannot fully give you all that you feel you need. There's going to come times where, where brethren are going to disappoint you. And those are the times that will reveal whether or not we're a giver or just a receiver. Whether you're truly following in the footsteps of Jesus. So brethren, praise God that there is much encouragement to be received from this family, from these brethren, as God designed it. But that can't be the reason you are here. You need to be here. Let me remind you, Hebrews 10 24 and 25. This is the exhortation for our assemblies together. It says, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is why you come to the assembly. This is why you come to midweek Bible study. This is why you go to group meetings. This is why you go to the men's study or the ladies' study. This is why you uh, make phone calls. This is why you send texts. This is why you write cards. This is why we try to be part of one another's lives. Not simply because of what that does for me, but because I have an opportunity to encourage somebody else. And that's why God put me here. That's why I have life and breath is so that I can receive his blessings that I might then give them to somebody else. And so, do you want to leave this building built up and encouraged? Stop focusing on yourself. Focus on building up someone else. That's the way that God designed it. If you're focused on self, nothing this congregation can give you is ever going to be enough. If you're focused on serving others, no discouragement will ever be able to stop you. When we forget to be givers, we open the door for discouragement, for discontentment, for bitterness, for frustration and loneliness and anxiety and all the self-focused emotions that Satan tries to throw at us. Don't let him do that. Be a giver. Don't forget why you're here. You are not here for you. Every blessing you receive from being with your brethren is a blessing to be used in serving someone else. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And brethren, this congregation exists because of givers. Because of many good and diligent, um, God-glorifying givers. Because of people who are using the gifts God has given them to give to others and the work here at Eastside is only going to continue to grow and thrive and prosper for God's glory to the extent that there continue to be givers. A congregation of consumers will not accomplish anything and will not exist for long. I want to look at one last passage together, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16. 
Starting in verse 11, it says, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ, As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. How does the body of Christ grow? How is it built up? How do we attain to the unity of the faith and spiritual maturity? Well, it's when saints are equipped for the work of service. You see that in verse 12. It's when saints are equipped to be givers. In love, serving one another. When we each individually are growing in our ability to contribute to the needs of the whole. When each joint, each ligament, each individual part is doing its job to keep the body knit together, to nourish it, to help it grow. We speak the truth in love. The body is built up in love, verse 16. It's the attitude of heart that puts others before ourselves. That love that is going to help us grow. It's the heart that focuses on giving rather than receiving. And so what is this congregation going to look like in another six years? I'm excited to see. Because I know that God is able to accomplish a great work in you. But I'll tell you what's going to make the difference. It's how well you care for each other, loving this flock the way that Jesus does. It's how closely you cling to the Lord and stand firm on his word. It's how fully you focus on being givers and grow to contribute more and more to the building up of his body and the spread of the gospel. I feel like there's a lot more that I want to say, um, but I'll, I'll save that for another time, Lord willing. What we see in Acts 20 In verse 36, it says, when he said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. Uh, And so I want to end today by praying with you all. If you will, pray with me. Heavenly Father, we humbly bow our hearts before you, and we recognize uh, that you have all power, all knowledge, all grace, that we need you more than anything in this world. And Lord, as we look at this group of people, at what you have done in them and through them, what you are continuing to do, we praise you. We thank you for the spiritual family that you have given us here. We thank you for the good that you have accomplished through them. Lord, um, I love these souls. Uh, and I know that you love them um, more deeply than any of us ever could. Lord, help us to reflect that love. 
help us to, to show that love towards one another, uh, not only in word, but in action from day to day. Uh, open our eyes to how we can better be givers, uh, how we can use the gifts that you've given us to, to build up, to encourage, um, to help this body of your people be more and more what you desire for it to be, that others will see your love living in them, that others will see the truth of your word uh, being faithfully proclaimed through them, that others will, will see uh, that the nourishment and the strength uh, that your grace provides. Lord, we ask that you will uh, watch over this flock, uh, that you will help them uh, grow to, to hear your voice um, more fully and follow it more faithfully each day. We trust in you, Lord. We trust that you are at work, that you will continue to bless, that we might share those blessings uh, and bring you glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.